want to start tonight without taking too much of your time with one question. What were the first words that were recorded in the book of John concerning Jesus' speech? In other words, what were the first words that Jesus declared that John the Apostle, anointed and led by the Holy Spirit, inscribed? Don't answer it out loud, but just think. The book of John, what were the first words that Jesus said? And I believe that these words reveal so much about the heart of the God that we just sang to. It's not a statement, nor is it a command. The first words that were recorded was actually a question. And the way that the Holy Spirit introduces Jesus in the book of John is what I would like for all of us to start and introduce this conference with. If you have your Bibles, turn to John chapter 1, beginning in verse 35. It says here, the next day again, John was standing with two of his disciples. And he looked at Jesus as he walked by and said, Behold the Lamb of God. This is not the main point, but it's a, it's a lovely point. As Brother Zechariah mentioned about true ministry and true ministers. A true minister points people to the Lamb of God. A true minister is not insecure about who's around in their circle and who leaves their circle unless, and if it's for rather, the glory of God alone. John the, the Baptist was not insecure about himself. When his disciples walked away to follow Jesus, he rejoiced at that. He didn't have this competitive mindset. Oh, they went to that church. If they're living for Christ, rejoice. Besides the point. The two disciples heard him say this and they followed Jesus. Jesus turned and saw them following and said to them, here's the question, here are the first words that Jesus declared in the book of John. What are you seeking? Isn't that fascinating? The first words that Jesus declared in the book of John was a question. And the question is, what are you seeking? He's not talking to the world. He's talking to two people who decided to follow him. And as they're following him, Jesus paused, he looked back, and he asked, what are you seeking? What are you looking for? What are you in this for? You know, what I find fascinating is that Jesus didn't say, what are you seeking? And he kept walking. He wasn't trying to provoke their thoughts. He wasn't trying to bring them into a place of self-reflection. He was waiting for an answer. What are you seeking? And whatever their answer would have been would have determined the rest of the journey. You understand that? Whatever their answer would have been would have literally determined how they would have experienced the rest of that journey of following Jesus. And as this book introduces us with these words, and they were going to answer a very specific answer that would determine the rest of the journey. You and I tonight, you're probably thinking, well, we're starting strong. It's good to start strong. I don't know about you, but I'm tired of playing conference games. Time is getting short. Time is getting short. The world is going crazy. It's no more time for kumbaya, right? What are you seeking? 
And whatever your answer will be as you sit in that chair, though you, your eyes are tired and though you drove hours and flew in probably, the question still stands, what are you seeking? And based on your answer to that question will determine how you will experience this conference. Not just this conference, how you will experience the rest of your Christian journey is hinged on the answer that you give to the Lord Jesus Christ who asks you tonight, young lady, what are you seeking? Young man, what are you looking for in this? Parents, what are you, what are you after as you walk towards Jesus? Because this tells me something, that a person can convince himself that he's following Jesus, but with alternative motives. In other words, you can walk towards Jesus and convince yourself that you're actually following Him. Many people are, but guess what? They're searching and seeking for everything but Him. Everything but Him. So, how does these two disciples, how do they answer? Rabbi, where are you staying? Where are you staying? That was the answer. So they weren't looking for some quick conversation. They wanted deep communion. They weren't looking for some shallow sit-down session. No, they wanted to dine with the Master. Where are you staying? Bring us to where you stay and where you spend your time. Bring us into the innermost part of your, of your abiding place. Show us where you're staying and bring us into that place. Where are you staying? And this is a response, and this is a request that Jesus Christ will never refuse. If you in sincerity and in truth are longing to know where He is staying, if you want to come into that place of close proximity with the Son of God, He will say what He says to them. Come and you will see. Come and you will see. This is what Christ longs for. They gave the right answer. And if you do not believe this truth, do you remember our friend Zacchaeus in Luke chapter 19? In verse 5, where he sees that man who humbled himself and climbed that tree, despite all the people there, with a desperation and a hunger for, for him to just behold the Lamb of God. And Jesus looks up and says, Zacchaeus, hurry and come down, because today I must come to your house. This is his longing. This is what he desires. To be one with us to be intimate with us, to reveal Himself to us. We see here that as we're talking about not letting our hands be weak, so many things can make a Christian's hands weak. What, what does the Bible mean by hands? Hands speaks about determination. Hands speaks about zeal. Hands speak about commitment. Those who put their hands to the plow and look back are not worthy to be my disciple. Speaking about, I'm going for it with everything. But you know what? Even those who start with such a grip, white-knuckled, can feel weak at times. They can feel it loosen. It's possible. And we're going to spend our time talking about the different things that can make a Christian's hands weak. But we don't want to just find the negative. We want to find the solution to those things. What can make those hands strong again? Not just for a season, but for a lifetime. And one of the answers in this short, short session as I close is what these disciples asked for. First Chronicles 16, 11 says, Seek the Lord and His strength. 
Seek His presence continually. You want some strength for your hands? It's found in His presence. And when you and I learn how to cultivate and spend time with Him and seek Him just for Him, oh, you will not believe the strength that will be surged into your commitment and into your zeal and into your passion and into your consistency and into your victory over sin and into your defeat over that besetting habit that you seem to not be able to overcome. He says here, come and you will see. My prayer is that as we do this together, because oftentimes when we speak about seeking the Lord and knowing the Lord and spending time with the Lord, we often emphasize doing it as an individual, do we not? Go and learn how to spend time with God alone. Learn how to separate yourself from the crowd and meet with the lover of your soul. We emphasize that so much, but there's another reality. That is true, and we cannot dismiss that practice. But I see something in John chapter 1. I see two disciples experiencing the same thing together. Meaning what? That they had this corporate experience of seeking the Lord and receiving great blessing from it. And I believe and I pray that this would be true of this conference. That yes, it would be true individually, but it would be true corporately as well. That we would seek the Lord and His strength and seek His presence. And as a result of that, oh, would you feel the strength come back to you as you leave this place. What are you seeking tonight? Don't answer the preacher. Don't answer the worship leader. Answer God. He's waiting for your answer. Let's pray.